Well, good morning. It's another another week, another early week. I've updated OBS since the last time I did this. I didn't test it, <laughs> so hopefully it's fine. People normally let me know pretty quickly if it's not fine. Look at the chat. G'day, Burton. Thank you for being first in again today, mate. Lots of stuff uh, happening on the schedule. Just whilst I'm waiting for uh, for people to join in, I hope there's not a background noise. I had... Um, it's the time of year here it starts getting warm. So because we're opposite to like the rest of the world, it is now spring. Uh, I just went outside for a nice walk. It's 22 degrees at quarter to eight in the morning. Uh, so it's getting nice and warm. So I've got to have the air conditioning on again. And I've had the air conditioning running in this office yesterday while I was doing a call. And I'm like, there's something wrong with the fan on my PC. Like, you know when that like a fan with bearings is starting to go and you just hear it going, you know, like that whirring sound? And I'm like crawling around the office trying to listen to all the fans on the PC and then the fans in the UPS and then maybe it's a fan laptop trying to figure out what the hell it is. Spent 10 minutes <laughs> trying to figure that out. And eventually I open the door to go out of the room and the noise stops. And I think what's happening is it's like the, the air conditioning is blowing into here and something has changed since summer last year where now it's like it's escaping through a window or something and it's making this whistling noise. But for the life of me, I can't figure out where it is. If I crack a window a little bit, <laughs> suddenly all the noise goes away it's one of those sort of bizarre uh, troubleshooting problems uh here yeah, lisa's can't hear any background noise I, look I, I don't think you would it's it's very it's very like the microphone's very good at excluding all this stuff uh and of course we've got the fluffy thing on the microphone which helps take out a lot of those a lot of those noises as well it's more like i'm sitting here working like what's that noise I put a lot of work into the acoustics of this room. What's this damn noise? Moving on. Sponsor this week, 1Password. So big thanks to uh, 1Password again. Of course, everybody knows who 1Password is. We did do a thing this week. Actually, I think we did a thing last week, and it went out this week. Uh, we did uh, did a podcast, which I, I did with uh, Matt. They're, uh, <coughs> they're, uh, is Matt CTO? Yes, he's CTO. Technology officer, chief guy. <laughs> so so uh, Matt and I did a, did a good podcast. That's, of course, uh, out there for free. It's in my Twitter timeline from very recently. I'll drop that into the notes later on as well. Uh, just a whole bunch of stuff around passwords. There's a bit of stuff in there around crocodiles as well <laughs> because I had not long been to Darwin at the time and crocodiles were kind of on the mind. Uh, it, it's nice to be able to do events like that with people I've met. So I, I got to spend a bunch of time with Matt Actually, I spent time with Matt in Hawaii when I had an event there in London. It's basically just like Hawaii in London. Uh, and also a bunch of time in Norway as well. So uh, who knows when I'll see Matt and everybody else again. But big thanks to 1Password. The podcast is out there now. Go and have a listen to that after this one. Venture Matt says, you put some fluff on the road broadcaster or is that a new mic? No, this is exactly the same mic that's been there for ages. I think I just like pushed up a little bit. So this is, I forget the word, it's like the windsock thing. But uh, no, that is a road broadcaster with the fluffy stuff on top. So like I can blow on it and you'll still hear it. But it just cuts out a lot of that sort of background acoustic noise. I'm still also in the process, and let's look at my back wall in the camera there but still also in the process of updating office things to try and improve acoustics a little bit more as well one of the things i've got to do is i think the loudest fan that i have in here is on the ups and there is uh there is a a hack around that in terms of actually getting a quieter fan from noctura nocturna i can't remember the name of them they're fans i've had before so i need to pull the ups apart get another one of these fans 
and try and quieten that down because it is nice when you've just got like a super, super noiseless environment, which is good. Uh, yeah, pop. I, isn't the pop filter, Brandon, the one that like goes in front of the mic? I don't know. I'm tired and I lost for words. Let's move on. <clears throat> LinkedIn. So LinkedIn had had a scrape. They didn't have a breach. This is a super, super important differentiating point. And it's really the same discussion as uh, Facebook earlier this year, uh, which is also in Have I Been Pwned. That was when I started putting phone numbers in Have I Been Pwned. And it's also the same discussion as the Clubhouse social media app. And I, I, f- I feel like it's a little bit Groundhog Day, but let's do it anyway. <laughs> so <clears throat> somebody popped up allegedly selling hundreds of millions of LinkedIn accounts that had been scraped earlier this year. And I think the first thing we've got to acknowledge with a scrape is, is a scrape is a fundamentally different beast to a breach, insofar as a breach takes advantage of some shortcoming in security. So it's a SQL injection vulnerability or a misconfigured AWS bucket somewhere, uh, or it's a backup in the root of a website, or it could be someone's left their laptop in the car and it gets stolen and there's data in there. So some, uh, some nefarious activity has to happen, usually through a vulnerability in a system or human error in order to get it. The scrape, one more thing on the breach. The breach, of course, also has data which is never meant to be public. So you know, very often in breaches, such as when we talk about Twitch shortly, very often in breaches we will see anything from internal data to internal source code to password hashes to internal emails, actually Madison style. There's loads of stuff which is meant to be private, never ever meant to see the public light of day. It's the breach bucket. Scrape bucket, we're talking about information which is publicly accessible. Now, it's either publicly accessible via anonymous users or it's like there's a bunch of stuff that you can't see, say, on LinkedIn unless you're authenticated. But if you're one of the hundreds of millions of people that use LinkedIn and you're authenticated, you can access it. And a scrape is effectively mass enumeration of profiles. So in the case of this LinkedIn incident, it's like here is a truckload of email addresses let's go through and for each one of these email addresses we'll go and query the database and we will pull back information and part of the the paradox of the scrape <laughs> is that let's say it's linkedin i'm a user of linkedin on the one hand i want to put my data on linkedin so that it is accessible to other people if they want to see what i do and where i've been and all this sort of stuff it's like it's, it's there that's the whole value proposition of linkedin whether you like it or not is to make personal information publicly available to other people. Anonymous people who you might not know. On the other hand, none of us want to put that there and then have it taken out of context and used in ways that we did not expect. This was the problem with the Facebook incident earlier this year. Uh, A good example there, Charlotte's data was there. My data wasn't there because I I don't think I've ever put my phone number in Facebook, pro tip, (laughs) or if I did, it certainly wasn't accessible publicly. Not so with hers. Uh, her Norwegian number was in there and it linked to her profile. So she had information that she'd put in Facebook and probably because Facebook is just like a massive kludge of privacy settings, had not realized that it was publicly accessible or that she would be discoverable by it and it got scraped along with hundreds of millions of other people. So when these scrapes happen, should they go and have a bampone? Every time I ask this question, emphatically, people are like, Yes, there's always a bunch of people that are like, well, it's publicly accessible information, so you know, why do we care? But the, the general consensus is that people don't like information that they've made available in one context then being taken and used in another context. 
And they particularly don't like hoodie-cladded hackers <laughs> scraping their information and selling it on the dark web. And yes, I know that's a ridiculous term, but this is the way it gets represented in the press. Now, of course, the press often also says it's a breach, but it's definitely not a breach. But be that as it may, that's the LinkedIn situation. Now, the data that I got sent, I mean, this was in the news on multiple occasions earlier this year. I had a tweet thread going about it, and it was, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it's like, here's a story about it being 500 million records. Now, here's a story about it being 600 million. Now, here's a story about it being 700 million. Incidentally, there's a story in the news just this week about Facebook having another scrape being sold air quotes on the dark web, with 1.5 billion. <laughs> so so it's it's not like a breach where there was this one incident where data got taken and it is a snapshot of a point in time because inevitably there's a whole bunch of people trying to enrich records by scraping services like all those social media platforms and it's happening over a period of time. It's not just like one point in time, here's that snapshot. And then to make it even more confusing, a bunch of this data as well is then enriched from other sources. LinkedIn have said that one or more of the alleged scrapes is enriched from multiple locations. It's not just LinkedIn data. Now, I checked the LinkedIn data with multiple people that I knew, including Noah Merrigan, who, with his permission, I put a snapshot of his data uh, on, on a gist, and everything in there, he said, look, that's just it's just all LinkedIn. And the same with every other person who I was able to verify this with. So I don't have any empirical evidence that the instance that I have has got anything more than LinkedIn. But then I did have people contact me after they got notifications from have I been pwned. I think I sent more than half a million emails to people. Uh, I did have some people say, look, this is, this is, uh, I deleted my LinkedIn profile before this incident, or um, obviously I didn't provide the complete data set to anyone. So they can't just sort of say, look, this isn't LinkedIn data. But there is multiple comments where people were suggesting that maybe this wasn't just LinkedIn scraped data. So we're going to see more of this, I suspect, because it is very, very hard for these platforms to put controls in place to limit scraping, but not limit legitimate usage. We'll see. It's an interesting time. It just seems to have been particularly this year, a lot of this has happened. Now, speaking of have I been paying subscribers, I'm just looking down at my little Lemetric, which has got the numbers ticking over. I am at 3,999,484 subscribers. So just about to hit 4 million. I think I'll hit 4 million over the weekend, which is really, really exciting. 4 million active subscribers. Uh, so these are people who haven't unsubscribed. These are people that have actually double opted in, verified their email address. So that's super, super cool to have 4 million people there. Of course, what that means is that every time I load a data breach, there are more and more emails I have to send. So it's, it's interesting that that LinkedIn incident the other day, I mean, there are 120 million unique email addresses I found in there. And I had to send about half a million. So I'm finding it's very often about a half to 1% of any data breach is a have I been paying subscriber. So if we do end up with a Facebook situation where there's one and a half billion, what would that be? 15 million? Well, I can't send 15 million email addresses, emails because I only have 4 million subscribers. <laughs> I, f I feel like it would be a very substantial portion of my 4 million subscriber base. So that... Uh, that would be interesting. Now, we'll move on. Move on to Twitch. And in fact, we'll do this back to front. Traffic on Have I Been Pwned. I don't actually pay a lot of attention to this anymore because I, 
I don't need to. It's like the cloud just does its thing. Uh, in the wake of the Twitch incident, the other day I had 400,000-something visits in one day. Just looking at the 24 hours up until right now, 373,000 unique visits, uh, which is which is really, really cool. So normally have I been paying tracks around 200,000 unique visitors a day, and then over time it's obviously just, just ticked up and up and up and up. Uh, I don't really notice it because people hit the front page. The front page is mega cached at Cloudflare, uh, and then they hit the uh, an API that runs on Azure Functions, which is serverless, which just scales to the moon. So go your hardest. <laughs> it's good. I don't really notice it. All right, just having a look here. Um, Burton says uh, we will come back to Twitch. If you turn off all your equipment, does that stop the sound? I don't think I've ever turned off all my equipment. That's a good question. Um, well, I don't know is the first answer because I haven't tried it. But thinking it through, it, I, I believe the problem here is related to pressure changes. Now, if I was to just turn stuff off internally within the office, it wouldn't really change the pressure, would it? Uh, it might just change the way air is flowing a bit. I don't know. Good question. Uh, I'll talk about upgrading to Windows 11 shortly because if I upgrade this PC to Windows 11, at some point it has to reboot and close all my carefully positioned windows anyway, so I could find out then. Uh, other questions here. So uh, Burton says, how much does it cost to email all the HOBP subscribers? So SendGrid supports Have I Been Pwned? So, yeah, <laughs> fortunately not, not, not much. Fortunately, nothing. Um, it would be pricey otherwise. Sending email reliably from a good email provider was just one of the things that that was enormously difficult many, many years ago. Uh, and I tried using things like Amazon SES. And, and particularly once you get into needing, really needing a dedicated IP address that doesn't, that doesn't get tarnished by uh, um, bad behavior from other subscribers on the same one. And there's some other really weird things around Amazon SES as well. Basically, sending email reliably at volume and getting it through to people's inboxes is a very expensive exercise. And it's one of the things that I've just never been able to get quite right. Even now, a bunch of have I been pwned emails do go to junk. Even though it's not on any block list, it's uh, not, not the IP address, it is well formed it every time i go and check any sort of spam checkers or anything it's like yep sweet everything's good all the dmark and spf records and everything are fine like everything 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 checks out yet it still ends up in junk so i think part of it is that there's just odd patterns where there's obviously just a baseline of steady emails being sent so for example people sign up for notifications or they do domain searches and then there's something like that linkedin thing and it's like okay emails tracking along in a linear fashion that's just like massive through the roof and then it's back down again. So it doesn't have like a solid kind of consistency. It doesn't seem to help very much. Brennan says, safe to assume that sending emails for breaches scrapes such as LinkedIn can get quite pricey. I think we've covered that. Uh, he also says, speaking of Twitch, I got an email to say that my stream key was reset at about 9.56pm uh, Australian time. That's interesting. Now, was it reset by Twitch or somebody else? Let's talk about Twitch because that has been a massive story this week and I would argue that it is the biggest breach of 2021 and possibly for quite some time before that as well. So what's happened with Twitch? A couple of days ago, I started getting all of a sudden like a bunch of people on Twitter 
mentions, hey, look at this, look at this, look at this, and there's someone talking about a Twitch breach. And it's like, okay, uh, we see a lot of people talk about breaches. Is it legitimate or not? There was no statement anywhere from Twitch. So I started a thread about uh, just the whole the whole incident in terms of what I was seeing as I went through the discovery process. And very quickly, people were talking about a 4chan thread. It took me like literally 60 seconds to find the thread and find a link to the torrent because there was a 125 gigabyte torrent flying around. Allegedly, at this stage, we know it's actual now. <laughs> it's no longer alleged. Allegedly, uh, of code from Twitch. So the headlines were code, like all the code, for a very long time because literally Git repositories within there. And also creator payouts. Which is kind of interesting because you sort of go, okay, well, how would someone get code when it has entire repositories as well? So this isn't just like taken from a running web server. This is the actual code with the .git hidden folder and all the contents within there. Well, they've probably got access to a source control server somewhere uh, or it's been exported somewhere else and then they've gotten access to that. But clearly there has been access to the code as it has been written and versioned, uh, not just as it's been compiled and deployed and running. But then you go, okay, well, that's that's code. The, the creator payouts, why are there creator payouts in there? Because this is now data. So were there keys in the code which might have then granted access to the data? Possibly. People are trawling through that. It sounds like some people have found things like RSA keys from some of the messages I've had, which is kind of interesting. Uh or was it actually versioned? Was it sitting there in source control somewhere? Now, I have found, people have been sending me some DMs about places I've found things like email addresses, because, of course, that's what I'm interested in for have I been pwned. Are there people who have had their personal data exposed in this and they need to be notified about it? Uh, there are some backups in there. I think I made a comment on Twitter the other day where there is a PHP BB3, I think it was, backup uh, from like 2009 in there and it has personal data and it has email addresses so maybe they put that in source control like it's it's just it's kind of odd the way it's it's come about and and what we really need now and, and someone tell me if this has happened and i've missed it i don't think so is we need transparency from twitch so twitch did come out i guess if we if we scroll back uh, time recording probably just over 30 hours ago and said, uh, we confirm that there has been a data breach, it's legit. So, all right, good on them for, for owning it uh, fairly early on. That was within probably single-digit hours of, of the news breaking. But we need to see some sort of post-mortem now. It's like, what has happened? What's been exposed? I'm, I'm looking at the comments here, and, and Aaron says, uh, Twitch reset everyone's stream keys. Okay, well, that's, that's reasonable. Uh, I think I have a Twitch account. <laughs> Let me have a look. I've never really used it. If I go into my one password, do I have a Twitch account? And where I'm going here is that I haven't received anything from Twitch about the incident. Uh, do I have Twitch? Yes, I do have a Twitch account. Look at that. When did I create that? March last year. Get one password. Track all your passwords. Know when you created accounts and changed passwords. Very, very handy. Thank you, one password. This week's sponsor. <laughs> so so uh, I haven't heard anything from Twitch. I haven't seen any more details from Twitch. Uh, I do have, obviously, a copy of the data. I'd say roughly everyone has a copy of the data. It has been so extensively shared. It's almost sort of reminiscent of Ashley Madison times where there was clearly a design intent from whoever took the data to spread it around as far as possible. 
So it didn't take very long to find it. I've had pr probably at least a dozen people contact me and say, hey, here's the magnet URL to go and pull down the, 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 uh, the torrent. So it is absolutely everywhere. Uh, just look at the comments here. Um, uh, Dinner Beef says they have a short blog post. Hey, can someone drop me the link to that blog post? And we'll, we'll, we'll read this live. So drop that into the comments if you can. Uh, Manmade. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that hand wrong. So Twitch said it was a server misconfig. Okay, sounds feasible. Rambling Geek says think they're doing active streamers first. Uh, Kick007 also has a Twitch account. Didn't get anything. Finlay, we have learned that some data was... <laughs> some. It's 125 gigabytes compressed. That's, that's a lot of some. Some data was exposed to the internet due to an error in a Twitch server config change that was subsequently accessed by a malicious third party. Which is... Uh, yeah, sounds sounds feasible. Sounds reasonable. Anyway, so moving on, there's um, th there's a. In, in fact, you know, before we move on, and I was going to keep talking about Twitch, but it was moving on to a slightly different topic. Let's just look at their Twitter feed. Do they have an update here? Out of an abundance of caution, we have reset all stream keys. You can get more. Oh, sorry, you can get your new stream key here. For more information, please visit the Twitch blog. Okay, cool. So. You don't have to drop it in the chat. I've found it. Update to security incident. Uh -huh. Abundance of caution, depending on your broadcast. Uh -huh. We've learned that this is a very, very, very short update. So basically their update at 1 a.m. PT. God knows when that was. That was on the 10th of July. I know it was July because 7 is the second digit in the year. Uh, and we all know that the, the month is always in the middle when you represent the date. Uh, and if that sounds confusing, use freaking letters. Was that the 10th? Okay, the 10th of... If you're an American listening to this now, this is honestly so confusing <laughs> for all of the rest of the world when we see dates represented like this. Please use letters for... I've literally got a blog post. Please use letters for your month. Then nobody's confused. Anyway, depending on which broadcast software you use, you may need to manually update your software. Okay, that was all the stream key stuff. Now, just before that, we've learned that some data... <laughs> Some was exposed to the internet due to an error in a Twitch server configuration change that was subsequently accessed by a malicious third party. Our teams are working with urgency to investigate the incident. As the investigation is ongoing, we're still in the process of understanding the impact in detail. We understand that this situation raises concerns and we want to address some of those here while our investigation continues. Where are they addressing them? They're not addressing them. Because then... It just says, at this time, we have no indication that login credentials have been exposed. We continue to investigate. Additionally, full credit card numbers are not stored by Twitch, so full card numbers uh, were not exposed. But I don't get this. We want to address some of those. So are some of those just the two sentences where they go, no credentials, no credit cards. It does feel a little bit, uh, a little bit lightweight. And no mention as well about the exposure of the, uh, the earnings by Twitch streamers, which... That, that's a fairly big piece of news because that is, it's, it's financial information so far as obviously that there's, there's money involved. It's not bank account details, but it still seems like a fairly noteworthy thing to disclose. A couple of interesting things here. Uh, I can't go into detail on this, but I had a, a discussion with someone yesterday about handling incidents and the role of lawyers. Uh, nothing to do with me. I'm not in trouble. <laughs> not for that anyway. <laughs> not for anything infosec related, just to be clear. The discussion was effectively around the fact that the actions that companies 
are required to take that are in their best interest following incidents such as data breaches are very often the actions that are not in the best interest of everybody else using the service. There are things that I as a technical person and probably you as well would say we should do these three things because they make the most sense to secure the system and protect the users and they are the opposite to what the lawyers want you to do. Now I hope this is something that this person will be able to talk a lot more about later on in the future because it was a really really fascinating discussion but when I read messages like this I, I feel like this is the lawyers setting the narrative and we're missing the guts of what has actually happened. And it does feel like there are perverse incentives in terms of how data breaches and incidents like this are handled. So that is kind of disappointing. Now, I had a, an interview this morning with uh, someone from a, a big US newspaper. And they wanted to talk about uh, both the Epic data breach and the Twitch data breach. And their, their position was around motive, or their angle was around motive. And they said, look, Epic, the motive, the stated motive was that uh, Epic is hosting a lot of not nice stuff. It is a bit right wing. It is a bit Nazi. Uh, we don't like these things as a general rule of thumb. Uh, let, let me be fair. When, when we say right wing, and it's not that we don't like right wing. It's, it's, it's the white supremacist kind of stuff. Now, that's what Epic has been raked over the coals for. Twitch. The alleged MO of the person that took Twitch data was around the fact that Twitch had become a toxic environment. There seems to be a lot of abusive streamers. That is a really bad problem. Was this the reason they got breached? And I, and I said to the uh, reporter today, I was trying to remember the exact wording, but I just pulled it up because I've got it in one of my workshops. There was a tweet from Swift, Swift on security some years ago. I'm just going to read it out for you. It says, hacktivism. And then there's three points underneath. Number one, scan internet for vulnerabilities. Number two, exploit vulnerabilities. Number three, make up reason they deserved it. <laughs> and this is exactly what it feels like. It feels like in both these cases, the, the Occam's razor, the simplest explanation being the most likely, is that they found vulnerabilities, they exploited it, and these are convenient excuses. I am not sure in this case, and I don't know that we have any evidence to support the premise that somebody didn't like right-wing supremacy, uh, white supremacy, and then went after Epic, and that someone didn't like toxic behavior and then went after Twitch. And if that was the genuine MO, was this actually the most effective way to create change? I don't think that Rob Monster of Epic fame is going to turn around now after this and go, ah... Oh, we really shouldn't support the Nazis as much because we got breached. Uh, I don't think people that are vitriolic towards streamers on Twitch are going to go, ah, oh, we're not going to do that anymore <laughs> because we got breached. So this, this is not going to change any of those things. So I think the motive discussion is, is quite interesting there. I'm right, going to have a look at some of the comments here. Um, now... Uh, Username underscore says ISO date format. Ah, now we're back on dates. When I wrote something uh, years ago, I wrote because of course I got a blog post and everything. It was Troy Hunt date formats or something like that, or internationalization or something to that effect. What was it called? Um, it was a whole blog post around uh, 
cultures being very different in different places to what people actually expect. <laughs> Just search for Troy Hunt culture. See if we find it. Oh, no, I'm going to get all sorts of things about security-centric cultures. Troy Hunt culture, date, formats, localization, something. Like that. This doesn't turn up. Oh, here we go. Wow, this was a long time ago. Nine years ago. Ten lessons for uncultured web developers. And it was just a whole bunch of things that, that fly in the face of what for many people is, is, is a norm. Now, I'll give you a good example of this. And this is another one that pisses me off no end. I see a lot of stuff at the moment where someone will talk about a, a, a product launch in the winter. It's like, oh, geez, it's almost summer. So winter is, what are we at? Winter is like eight months away or something like that. That's a long way away. Oh, you mean on that one half of the world, which is the opposite half of the world to me. Um, y y you can just say like in December kind of thing, like you don't have to do this. That's what, that was always bugged me. Um, the date format was interesting. So in fact, I'm just going to drop this link into the, uh, into the comment thread here for those of you reading along. Number two, almost always 8-7, 8-7 comes before 7-8. So the, the only places in the world, Americans... The only places in the world that use month, day, year are the United States and Belize. That's, that, that is a very, very limited <laughs> set. That's basically like 4% of the world. Uh, everyone else is basically day, month, year. Uh, interestingly, year, month, day in China, Korea, Iran, Japan, Hungary, Lithuania, due to ISO 8601. This is known in other countries too. Anyway, the point about underscore here saying ISO date formats, uh, totally separately to this, some time ago I put out a tweet about uh, date formats and things. And I think I did a poll. But th there are a bunch of people saying you should always do year, month, day. And my issue with that is that people outside of our industry, that is not a familiar concept. And even if you do that, yes, we know that if you have four digits, two digits, two digits, the two digits in the middle are going to be the month. But for many other people, how do they know it's not the day? Because if you're in America, it's the day in the middle and not the month. You know what's really, really clear? His letters. This is for human readable formats. Uh, system readable formats, ISO formats are fantastic. But for human readable formats like this Twitch situation, putting a date on a blog post, you have a tiny fraction of the world in America. Just use letters. It's clear for everyone then. All right, get off that high horse. Uh, where are we here? Um, people are happy they're not a Twitch streamer. Nick007, I lived in the US. I'm born near the end of December and once had someone told me I couldn't be born when I had because there is no month after 12. <laughs> Oh, shut up, Troy. Don't make it worse. <laughs> Where else are you? Uh, I'm just reading comments here. Uh, Big Pot says uh, they're mostly hating females. Now, uh, we're obviously talking about the, the culture with, with Twitch here. So, caveat, I'm not a Twitch streamer i've seen very very little on twitch i got an idea of what it's about there seems to be a real problem in that streaming industry and in the gaming industry in general uh around respect for women in particular and i guess part of the problem we got here is that when we create online social platforms and people can just sit in the comfort of their homes and then a bunch of them are kids as well they haven't developed this proper 
sense of social awareness and rights and wrongs, you get a lot of bad behaviour that people just wouldn't demonstrate face to face. I actually heard yesterday our Prime Minister, um, who I don't think anyone actually likes, uh, and I know that you're probably from a part of the world where you're like, well, people don't like our Prime Minister or our President or whoever you have either, <laughs> but, but we have had Prime Ministers before that I've liked. This guy's just a wanker. Anyway, uh, he was on the news and he was talking about the fact that social media platforms, uh, I don't think he used the word cesspool. <laughs> he might have said like breeding grounds for abusive behavior because people get to hide behind anonymity and we should make everybody prove their identity on social media platforms. Now, we've been down this road so many times before, never going to happen for all sorts of reasons. But there is some truth to the point about when you get to be remote on a social media platform, and particularly when you get to be anonymous as well, it does empower atrociously bad behavior. And it does sound like Twitch has got a real problem with this that they need to deal with. I don't think hacking them and taking their source code is actually going to fix that, though. And this, this is sort of the, the, the macro observation here. Lars Clint, sounds like a Fahrenheit Celsius discussion. Uh, <laughs> it's just Celsius. Look, It's funny, actually. I was talking to my kids the other day. Uh, we're in the car, and there was something on the radio about Fahrenheit and Celsius. And I was saying to them, it's like, Look, it's really easy in Celsius. Like, at what point does water freeze? And they didn't know. And then I realized I need to talk to my kids more about temperatures. But it's like, it's easy. It's zero. And at what temperature does it boil? It's easy. It's 100. Uh, and then there is one temperature where it's actually the same in both Fahrenheit and Celsius. And I think it's negative a lot. But anyway, weird thing. Weird thing. Unix timestamp. Oh, geez. I did not mean to go down the, down the, uh, the rabbit hole on that one. Uh, but while I'm there, <laughs> on this blog for this, I've written some good stuff over the years. Um, the, the prevalence, in fact, this was interesting. At the time, Windows XP had 68% uh, 60, of the operating system marketplace in China, but basically nothing anywhere else, which is kind of interesting. Dollars, dollars. You know, other countries have dollars as well. We have dollars in Australia. They're not worth much. Mind you, if you go to Hong Kong, they have dollars and they're worth even less. So there we go. Uh, TLDs and things. Well, these browser screen caps make it look really, really old. Uh, anyway, it go, let's not go down that rabbit hole any further. I do need to get on with things. Now, Brennan says, I'm also forgetting about the whole five prime ministers in five years thing. Australia keeps booting out prime ministers, <laughs> which is which is entertaining. Um, see, in the US, you just stick with a crappy one for four years and then you boot him out. But we, we just keep booting them out regularly. <laughs> <sighs> Big Pot says, problem is when females are in... Uh, okay, let's not go down a path that I'm ill-equipped to provide commentary on. Uh, let's acknowledge that Twitch has got some, some big problems that they need to try and work out and that hacking them and stealing their source code is probably not the right, right way to do it. All right, so uh, I did have other things on my list, other data breaches. There have actually been other data breaches other than, than Twitch uh, in recent times. There have been other data breaches that have gone into Have I Been Pwned? And look, there's been a couple of very little ones, but I have tried to carve out some time to get some more stuff in there anyway. So looking back through the Have I Been Pwned Twitter account, recently uh, the uh, LinkedIn one was 125 million. Republican Party of Texas... So Texas's GOP was defaced by anonymous, which we always have to air quote. We know they're anonymous because they told us they're anonymous. Was defaced by anonymous last month. 
72,000 unique email addresses were exposed. 78% of those already have never been pwned. Just yesterday, I loaded Fantasy Football Hub, football in this context being soccer, breached last week. Data included 66,000 email addresses, usernames, names, IP addresses, and WordPress MD5 hashes. Yay. 62% of those already have been pwned. Uh, and of course, I do have a very, very big long list of other data breaches that are still being processed. I am going to go through this Twitch data once everything finishes uh, extracting from Zips and just see how many email addresses are in there. Um, I do know that from one file alone, which I think was that old uh, PHPBB backup, there are like 2,500 email addresses in there. It looks like there are also email addresses in some files around um, uh, like fraudulent payments or something to that effect. So it might be interesting to see if there is more in there, which perhaps does warrant loading data into have been pwned, albeit only a small amount. Oh, one more thing on Twitch. Multiple people have pointed out that the Twitch breach was labelled part one, and they have implied from that that there are multiple subsequent parts. I've not seen any evidence to suggest that there are more parts. Uh, I'm not really clear on, on whether there are or not. We have to wait and see on that front. Maybe there are more parts with data. It's a little bit hard to tell based on the disclosure from them so far if that has been impacted, other than the fact that in this message, what do they say about passwords? At this time, we have no indication that login credentials have been exposed. Because <sighs> look, if they didn't put keys and things in source code and source code got exposed, then that's good. And even if they did put keys or credentials for database service, so long as they weren't sitting there facing the public web, that does certainly make it a harder proposition to go and then pull that. So this might be the end of it. And part one is just all the parts. Time will tell. All right, so that was the other ones. Uh, Finlay says, football in this case being football. <laughs> it almost feels like the culture discussion again. And in fact, Charlotte was asking me uh, just yesterday, she's like, is rugby football? So, well... Yeah, it's like football's just an umbrella and then there's just different places around the world that have different things. She's like, they don't really kick the ball very much, do they? It's like, no, no. But then is soccer football? No one really cares about soccer here, uh, which you think is football, which I know people would like live and die for you know, in other parts of the world. But it's all a ball sport. Let's, let's just agree on that. Um, Brendan says, uh, wait, what are the MD5 hashes for? Uh, WP update zips. So I think you're referring here to the fantasy football that was just literally on the, the WordPress instance. That was the obviously the standard hashing mechanism of the version of WordPress they had, which suggests that it was a very, very old version of WordPress they're using. Okay. Where are we here? Uh, Payout info is just user IDs and numbers, nothing else. Uh, this is Andrew Chow. Uh, yeah, I, I get that. I still think it is interesting that that data was sitting in the same location as all the source code. Um, but look, then again, I've been in a big company for a very long time. I know how weird shit gets in terms of the way things get managed. Just because a big organization doesn't make it right. Scott, I'll oh, just ignore him. There's nothing useful there. Thanks, mate. Uh, all right, let me go on to something else here. Windows 11. I am having a love-hate relationship with Windows 11. I tried to install it on my laptop first. So my thinking with Windows 11, now that it has hit the big time, it has gone live as of the 5th of October, I thought I will update my laptop first. Because if everything goes completely wrong, I can still keep using my desktop and it's fine. I am getting a hexadecimal error code <laughs> every time I try and run the installer. 
and yes, I have rebooted, and yes, I have run the compatibility checker and everything checks out fine. Uh, no, you don't need to disable BitLocker. I'll tell you how I know in a moment. And no, you don't need to turn off TPM or things like that. And I do have TPM2 support. Everything about that laptop is compatible. It's only a few years old. It's recent gen. It's fine. Uh, I tried downloading the whole thing to the USB installer and running the, the installer from that. That also didn't work. So at the moment, that laptop's going nowhere. So I moved on to other people's laptops. Uh, I did my daughter's, perfect, straight away, no problems. I did Charlotte's yesterday, perfect, straight away, no problems. I haven't touched this one. <laughs> I haven't touched my desktop yet. That might be the next thing to do. Uh, I, I would like to experience Windows 11, but I would also like to be able to continue to work and be productive in what I do. And I'm just a little bit scared off by the experience over there. Now, we'll say... <laughs> Remember, I don't work for Microsoft. This is not an official Microsoft capacity statement or anything like this, but the experience installing on there and reading other people's has been suboptimal, <laughs> as we would say. I know that a Windows operating system is not the same as an iPhone in terms of control over the ecosystem and all the variability in hardware and drivers and all these sorts of things. But considering how frequently I update operating systems on all my iThings and everything's just like perfect straight away, don't even think about it, just click the button go out and play for a while, come back in, it's done. The dramas around updating to Windows 11 have been, they do feel unnecessarily hard. So I think I'm just going to sit on that laptop for a bit and wait until it gets pushed via Windows Update and see if I can just update from there and perhaps like my third attempt of an update channel works. But otherwise, I really don't feel like repaving a laptop at the moment uh, when time is poor. I may just try and do it on this desktop. I'm going to see how I feel, see how dangerously I feel like living. Speaking of living dangerously, IoT <laughs> and bricking my house. Because I took the latest Home Assistant update, I think it was yesterday morning, and it, so Home Assistant, just for those of you who are, are not familiar with it, of course, is the home automation system that uh, usually runs on a Raspberry Pi. I've been running for the last 18-ish months. Every month, they do a major release. Uh, this was the October release. And every month, I'll take the release and I'll sort of read the release notes while I'm taking it yellow. And, and it's usually fine. This one had an official release of the uh, two-year integration. Now, two-year is the IoT maker, Chinese manufacturer of uh, the lights. All the lights I have in here are connected to you. I have about 85 two-year things in my house, almost all lights and about three switches. And the first I knew that something had gone wrong is I took the Home Assistant update, knowing that they had now integrated a, a I guess, um, I was going to say, it's not third party, it's not legitimate, it's not mainstream. The official two-year developers have created an official integration as opposed to it being a third-party effort. Knowing that was in there, not realizing that it would actually break my old two-year integration. So I've just gone, yep, update Home Assistant, and then suddenly Home Assistant starts giving me all these alerts that the fan in the server rack is not contactable. So I have a two-year switch that turns the fan on in the server rack when the temperature gets over a certain amount. So anyway, I go through and figured out that basically I have broken all of the lights in the house. Now that does and doesn't matter. I recently went through and changed all of my, most of my IoT lights so that rather than being switched on digitally within the light, so the lights always got power and then you're just talking to the light and turn the power on and off. Because I'm getting too many Wi-Fi devices, uh, I rolled that over to actually switching them, switching the power itself using the Shelleys. 
So fortunately that didn't break those lights because I could still turn them on and off. But then when they were on, I couldn't talk to the lights, so I couldn't change colors or brightness or anything like that. Now I thought this was gonna be a real pain in the ass to fix. It actually took a total of probably about an hour because what I found happened is after I, after I went through the setup process for the new two-year integration, it basically listed, uh, it listed the same integration, one connection there, which was the old two-year account with everything breaking, and one connection there, which was the new one with everything working. And then I just had to rename some entities. Uh, and for each of my 85 entities, I just had to, from the little drop-down, choose which room they're in. And that's it. So I'm basically back running absolutely fine now uh, so no problems with that I've got one remaining little issue ironically with the very thing that starts all the issues which is the switch on the server rack for some reason I don't seem to be able to get updates from it but maybe I'll figure that one out today the other one I've got to try and figure out today unrelated to breaking the lights in the house is I mentioned some time back I got uh, new curtains so my room, master bedroom, kids' rooms, new curtains. Uh, the old ones were very old and very shabby. So we got new curtains and we got uh, motorized motors to be able to open them with, um, with either remote control or IoT integration. Now these, I'm going to let everyone know what it is so that you know not to buy it. And I'll explain why in a moment. These were, what are they? Rollies, Rollies Akmeda. Okay, so there's a company called Rollies Acmeter, and they create these curtains. They create the motors. Uh, the motors have wireless connectivity to a remote control. That works perfectly. It's a remote control with five different buttons, which is perfect because I've got a total of five different motors. There's two in the master. There's one here, one in Ari's room, one in Elle's room, five. Now, from that remote control, anywhere in the house, I have beautiful signal quality, and I can control any one or all of the blinds together, curtains together, if I would like. No problems. They also have a hub, and the hub can then Wi-Fi to your network, and you have a companion app, or you can hardwire it to your network if you'd prefer. And the hub is an absolute piece of shit. The hub has a range of well under eyesight. <laughs> so it can have direct line of sight to a motor, and you get beyond about five or six meters, and it goes to hell. And I got some support from someone who was very helpful at, uh, at Royal Isaac Meter, and then it went quiet. And I followed up again a few days ago, and they went, we're working on it, we don't have an ETA. And basically the only suggestion I've been given by people is you really need about three, three of these hubs to cover what is a relatively small area with like one wall in between. And I'm sort of looking at, I, I, I did lose my shit just a little bit yesterday when, when I was talking to, uh, to the representative here. I was like, this is such a crap design. Why do you need a proprietary hub? Why are these not Zigbee? If they were Zigbee, it'd be great because we have got an open protocol. It could just plug straight into the Conbe, my home assistant job done. Why are they not Wi-Fi? Why can't I just have five more Wi-Fi devices on my network? Shit, I've got enough already. Just add five more. If they're Wi-Fi devices, I've got the house flooded with Wi-Fi. Why do you have to create this proprietary protocol and then put it in a hub that's got an absolutely crappy range? Why do I need to have all this other rubbish in the house? So I think I'm at the point of going back to, and of course this is the problem because then you have multiple parties because it was one company we went to who makes the curtains and they're like, yeah, we've got this provider that can provide the motors and they're the people that have given us the bills. But I feel like I need to go back to them and go, just 
just take these away because at the moment the only way I can open and close these curtains is to get up and open and close them which completely defies the point of having a motor. Right, that's my high horse on that. Now the only other thing I've thought of is that because this remote has such good signal quality throughout, is there a way, and this is probably getting into electrical engineering stuff that I know nothing about, is can you get effectively like an IR blaster that just does RF at the right frequencies that this thing's blasts out? If anyone knows the answer to that, please let me know. Because if I could just emulate the signal from that remote, <laughs> oh, wow, how far down the rabbit hole have I gone now? If I could emulate the signal of that remote and hack together my own little RF blaster, which could then be controlled from Home Assistant, I'd be happy. It'd be job done. And I read the comments while I lament what a mess I've found myself in. Brandon says, may I need to refresh and install my laptop. I'm considering that possibility. I'm not happy about it, but that might be the answer. Um, Zach said, we had a bunch of issues with Lenovo's recently. I had to return like five in the space for a month. To be clear, Charlotte's Lenovo is a very similar spec to mine here. In, in, I mean, it's, a, it's an X1 Extreme. It's a very similar uh, form factor, at least, to the P1 that I've got here. Uh, L's, which I did, my daughter's, that was, um, that's a yoga. I'll do my son's uh, probably somewhere over the next few days as well. They've been fine. Uh, this is just a bit of a, an outlier. I don't think we can blame Lenovo for that one. Nick Dello 7 can you do a VM? Yes, but it's always going to be faster running on the metal, so no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> James is appreciative for me beta testing Windows 11 for them. <sighs> Andrew, welcome to Home Assistant Russian Roulette Game. It does feel like that sometimes. I have no regrets. Like, I'm glad I've done this because I feel like I'm... I feel like I'm a pioneer, <laughs> like I've been able to get in at the start of IoT. And one day when we're old, older, <laughs> we'll look back at this and go, I was there when I had to build my own RF blaster just to open the curtains. <sighs> Brendan, just a warning in advance. I can't remember what CPU your desktop has, but if it's an AMD one, expect it to fit 50% performance hits. It's not AMD. It is Intel. Uh, it is a Xeon. In fact, it's dual Xeons in my desktop here. Uh, Big Big Pod says uh, Win Eleven has been perfect from day one of the Insider Preview. In not my experience, <laughs> so far, I, I think if I got it installed, it would be perfect. Thing is, I've never even used it before. Like I never did any of the previews. So literally, the first time I got my hands on Windows Eleven was installing it on my daughter's laptop, and I was like, "Oh, this is cool. It's got curvy edges. It looks nice. I'm sure I'll, I'll find lots of nice things I like about it once I get it on a machine that I constantly use." Adventure Matt, uh-oh, Automate Pulse 2 issues. Yes, it is Automate Plus 2. Yep, that's where the issues are. Uh, what else we got in here? What else is relevant here? Adventure Matt says, also using 433 MHz, I think range should be great. Um, yeah, yes, it should be. I agree. So uh, Scott Sizing is IR. It's not IR. It's, um, it's RF only. Uh, as he is in, in realized can't be if it works from other rooms so no it definitely doesn't require line of sight which is fine now Ian says RPITX can transmit RF from a GPIO pin well, that'd be cool Scott says just RF then hook something up to press the buttons on the remote honestly mate I've started to get to this point I'm like if I get enough switch bots and I have like five in fact, I need more than five switch bots because then I'm, I need like one switch bot for each room and then I need one switch bot for the up button. And once, 
why am I trying to build robots to push buttons on a remote control because the freaking hubs are crap? Like, this is just, just not right. Um, I think Scott's point about uh, rolling your own is maybe maybe more what we're looking for. But uh, I, I just kind of feel like if I've got to go down that path, I at least want to cause, I was going to say cause some financial pain for the maker of this. I'd like to get my money back. I think that, that seems reasonable. Andrew says, every month I update HA, something is cooked. I love it still, but it's hard. So I, I would not go so far personally as to say every month. It's rare that I have something break. I, I think that when it's like light switches, or, or lights rather, that's when it's it's kind of obvious. But it, look, again, it was, a, it was a fairly graceful recovery in this case. Venture Matt suggesting reverse engineering the board in the Pulse 2 hub, build a hacks integration. What, like in my spare time? Because this is the problem, right? Like I've got to pick the things that I actually want to invest my energy into. And I don't particularly want to invest my energy into just like hacking around screwy IoT implementations, if I'm completely honest. <laughs> Brendan says, perhaps you need to grab some vodka every time you run an HA update. Okay, sounds good. Uh, so look, a few other suggestions in here about just... <sighs> just around the RF blasting. So I'll give that a little bit of thought. What I'd really love, and someone can tell me if this is feasible or not, but you know how you can get IR blasters and you can train an IR blaster. You just point the remote at the blaster, which has a receiver, and it's like, oh, this is the IR signal I need. And then it can replay that. Like, can you do that with RF? Or is there some sort of cryptographic protocol or something that gets in the way of being able to do that? I don't know. Brandon says, just imagine HA Dev offers a service where they send out bottles of vodka for every update. Yeah, it'd be tempting. It'd be tempting. James makes a good point. He says, do you really want to fix a company's broken blind solution, though? Look, I don't, I don't particularly want to do this. And this is sort of where I started originally, this whole IoT thing. It's like, I want something that is turnkey i don't really want to be hacking around with things i don't want to be soldering wires i don't want to have to be like recreating the proverbial wheel there are there are times where i'm happy to play with code and wires and things like that but for things like opening the blinds you know we've got this situation where we we're trying to finish all the bits and pieces that needed to be done with this house and just not being able to push a button and open the blinds i know it's a very first world problem but that's just one of those things that I expected to be simple. And particularly when a product, or when a company sells a product and they're like, hey, this is simple. You just press the button and the blinds open and then it turns out to be what we're finding here. That's, that's kind of like a shitty experience. Scott says, yes, you can do it with RF. Look, uh, again, for folks, we are starting to wrap up now, so maybe uh, via DM or tweet me or something. If there is a product out there that can just pick up whatever RF it is that's being blasted out of this remote control and it can replay that, I'd love to know about that because I think that that's probably my, my least painful route to getting a fix for this. And then I can send the hub back, get the money back from that, keep the remote, uh, have another device which will blast that RF out, tie that into HA, happy days okay folks i'm going to wrap it up there and uh, and probably move on to having a bit more of a poke through this twitch data breach which is uh, getting through the entire process of extracting things so thank you very much for joining i'll do this again next week and i'll do this later in my day so uh probably about nine hours later ten hours later than what i started today thanks for watching see you later